Welcome to Men of Sorrows podcast. I am William Lloyd. Our podcast is committed to helping men process their emotions, process their grief, to mourn openly and find healing and peace in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I had just I just got back from vacation. I my Carrie and I took off. We had a little road trip. We stopped in Charleston, South Carolina. We stopped in Williamsburg, Virginia. We stopped in Cape May, New Jersey for a couple of days. Then we went to my old stomping grounds and we rented a um, little condo with my mom in South Seaside Park where I used to lifeguard and there's nothing like the Jersey Shore. And I really um, enjoyed it. It went quick. And here I am back. I spent some time with Dan Duddy who you heard on this podcast, we had a great time and we talked and brainstormed about some future podcasts that he and I will do together. Today I wanted to go and do part two of what worked for me. Remember last time I, in part one of what worked for me, I talked about number one, that I became acquainted with grief. I read books about grief and really found out what the grief process was all about. I knew a lot about it, I guess, in my head, but now I was experiencing raw anguish and grief and pain that I never, ever experienced before in my life. I also saw a grief counselor and went to support groups and told my story. And if you didn't listen to what worked for me part one, you should go back and listen to that where I expound on those four points. But I wanted to expound a little more on the I told my story part because part of my story had a lot of woulda, coulda, shoulda. And one of the things that I found when I did the woulda, coulda, shoulda, a lot of people stopped me, stopped me short and told me, oh no, it wasn't your fault. Don't talk like that. But the problem is I needed to talk about that. I needed to go down those roads, and going down that road is part of part five of what worked for me is my faith journey. Really what worked for me is God. (laughs) God saw me through it all, and that's the simplistic answer to it all, that it was God that saved me from despair and grief and mourning without hope. But telling my story and going down those roads, it needed to be done. And I would encourage people to do it as many times as possible in a safe place with a non-judgmental listener. And John Glenn was my person, my grief counselor. And as I did that, we always came back to the same conclusion. That God is really the one in control. And when I was doing the woulda, coulda, shoulda, I was grasping for control or I thought that I had more power than I really did. So I went down those roads, and I had, and believe me, none of us are perfect. It's not like I didn't do anything wrong, or wasn't times when, you know, my selfishness or my flesh got in the way of Liam, and I, 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 I didn't treat him right. That I, you know, I know there was one incident that I kind of stuck my nose in his business when I really shouldn't have, and it caused a bit of a rift between us. So I had to look at that head on, 
looked at the wasted time that I could have had with him if that rift was not there, and I had to grieve that. On top of grieving of losing him, I had to grieve losing that time to look at the regret, but to realize that God in the Lord Jesus Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection took care of all sin, all death, and that particular sin of me sticking my nose in my son's business where it didn't belong is covered by the blood and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. I recognize in myself, and I, I recognize it in others, probably more in others than myself because, you know, grace to you, law, law to you, grace to me, right? But I recognize that we all have these defense mechanisms that come up. But what God showed me once when my defense mechanisms were running wild and running the show is, son, I died for real sin. I didn't die for imaginary sin. And if every time something's pointed out, you defend yourself, <laughs> right? You're saying that, you know, what did Jesus die for? So we want to always make ourselves look good. But going down those roads of woulda, coulda, shouldas and really looking at, at your mistakes, looking and facing them head on gives you really the power to receive God's forgiveness, his, his forgiveness and his beauty of, of just perfect forgiveness and the fact that he has reconciled all things. In the new heaven and the new earth, Liam and I, we might look back on me sticking my nose in his business or it's gone forever, not even to be looked at. But I don't even think, I don't think like visiting these things on the new heaven and the new earth would be blasphemous or would be out of place. It'd be like, can you believe, can you believe we got all bent out of shape about all that? Look at this all around us. Look at eternity. In the eyes of eternity, what things really matter. So that was part of really what worked for me. It may not work for you. I know that if you're dealing with overdose death or, or I, in fact, it's not just overdose or suicide. I see it in all the people I've been really, my ears have been fine-tuned to people, even if their parents died a natural death and they were older and they, they, they had a, you know, sickness that, that, you know, eventually led to death. Somehow, we always think we can do more, that it was too soon, and it's not because death is not natural to us. That's why it's not natural. Now, I wanted to talk about faith in Jesus Christ and the gospel. In this case, faith in an afterlife. I am not talking about, well, maybe they're up there looking down on us, or maybe, you know, they're with us somehow. I'm talking about what the scriptures teach about resurrection, about the new heaven and the new earth. And I have to tell you up front, and I've mentioned it on the podcast before in my conversations with some of the other men and in some of the other meditations that I've done, that I had, first of all, in 1983, I received the message of the gospel, and I, I believed in Jesus Christ. I received him as my personal Savior, therefore saying, now I have eternal life. Now I'm going to learn a lot of the answers to life's questions. Now I belong to God. Now my sins are forgiven. And 
it made sense to me that Jesus was the Son of God, that if God wanted us to know what he was like, he would send his Son. All that made sense. But in answer to something that I just kept in the back of my mind as a youngster and as a teenager, and now I was 21 at this time, was like, what happens when we die? So I, you would say that, therefore, 36 years, I believed in the idea of life after death. I believed in the fact that we would have eternal life with Jesus. It wasn't the main focus of my study, but every Easter we talk about the resurrection. We talk about forgiveness of sins. We talk about eternal life. And in our curriculum of the ministry that I became involved in and began teaching, there was the eternal view of suffering, which in all suffering, we witness to future glory of living with God in eternity forever and ever and ever. So I believed these things and in, in different ways and with more clarity for 36 years. And then Liam, Liam killed himself. So you would think that right away I would find some kind of, some kind of alleviation of my deep, deep pain and despair and the fact that, well, Liam has eternal life. He's with Jesus right now. He's, he's, he's out of his pain. He's experiencing this great. It didn't work that way for me. It did not work that way. In fact, I doubted that any of it was true. I, I doubted that there was eternal life. I doubted that there was heaven. At the same time, when I looked at the other alternative that, you know, we came from nothing and we're headed towards nothing, that did not make sense to me either. So I don't like there. I, I was not an atheist. I just didn't know, like, how could this be true? If God did create us, maybe he just created us to be in this life. Maybe this life is all there is. Still believing in a creator. And then there was a lot of anxiety that, okay, if there is eternal life and Jesus is in heaven with God, he's with his biological father and biological mother, and they're probably pissed at me for not taking better care of him. <laughs> right? So when I get there, I'm, they're, gonna be, they're not really going to want to see me or have anything to do with me. These were all my fears. So I doubted for quite some time, I doubted. But what I said was, Lord, I believe, help me in my unbelief. I, I reviewed everything that I ever learned about heaven and about the new heaven and the new earth. And I read scriptures and I thought about it and I thought upon it and I just thought upon Jesus's promises, very simple promises. John 16 being one of the most popular, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. What I did is I held on to those promises with, with this little sliver of hope, praying, Lord, I believe, help me in my unbelief. And I remember one day I was reading in the passage where Paul says, I do not want you to be ignorant, brothers, of those who have died and have fallen asleep in the Lord so that you don't mourn without hope. I don't, he didn't want us to mourn without hope. And what I wrote down on the paper, and I remember, God wants me to mourn. That's okay. I'm going to mourn, but I'm going to mourn with hope. And I would ask God 
Now, one of the things that for me personally in my faith that I believe in wholeheartedly is God will speak to us personally. I believe God speaks to us in our inmost being, in our thoughts, and with our with our thoughts and in our in in our innermost being. I believe every person can hear God speak to them. I believe God speaks to every person. It's a matter of faith. And that is really that still small voice of God speaking to me is really what saved me from losing my mind and going into despair, into depression, and from from like feeling like my life was over and I could never function again or be happy again. It's that still small voice. It's hearing from God speak to you personally. Now in 2 Corinthians, if you need some kind of scriptural backing for this, in 2 Corinthians, I mean in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 1 or 2, it says that no one knows the thoughts of God except God's spirit within him. Likewise, no one knows the thoughts of man except man's spirit within him. Now, God has joined us to himself spiritually. God's spirit lives in us. We live in him. He lives in us. The scriptures speak that. So if the spirit and the mind are like that together, that's where I believe we hear God in our thoughts. When he says that no one knows the thoughts of God, no one knows the thoughts of man. I believe that God will speak to us personally in our thoughts, in phrases, in words, and bringing scripture back to memory. And I'm going to explain to you three times that I heard God speak to me personally about my issues and my struggles that gave me that hope, that gave me that peace, that lifted me out of the despair. One day I was, no one was home, and I just was sprawled out on my kitchen floor, bawling my eyes out. And for some reason I said, I didn't want him to die, God. I didn't want him to die. And what I heard the Holy Spirit, the Lord speak to me was, neither did I. That's why I gave him eternal life. <laughs> and when I heard that, it was like, like instant, like I had this peace. And that was followed by this thought that I believe with all my heart was from God. Son, you're acting as if I came light years across the universe to be born, to, to live, to be incarnated, to be spat upon, rejected, crucified, buried, rose from the grave, ascended into heaven. You're acting like I did that so all of you yahoos and he didn't say that word but kind of is what i thought so that all of you people that the human race would get their act together and keep bad things from happening that's the way you're acting actually i came light years across the universe was born lived was rejected spat upon crucified buried rose again because sin and death happen. I died for this very pain and suffering you're going through right now. 
So those thoughts and God speaking to me that afternoon about maybe three or four weeks into this this horrible grief gave me relief and gave me that hope uniting, igniting in my heart. And I was able to talk to John Glenn about it, my grief counselor. I was able to process it with him and tell him what I heard. His spirit bore witness to that, and we sorted through it. Another time, I was mowing the lawn. But what was really bothering me before I mowed the lawn this day was the guilt. You know, that I should have taken better care of Liam, that I should have been on top of things that I should have seen this coming and prevented it, or loved him enough, just loved him enough to where he would know how loved he was, that he would never want to do anything like that. So it was like, it was dogging me. And as I was mowing the lawn, God brought a scripture verse to me that I taught, and I even taught this in, in parenting classes, and I've talked to parents about this, it's in Jeremiah chapter 30 where the Lord is announcing the new covenant that he's going to make, the covenant of grace. What he says before that is this. He says, it has been said that the fathers eat sour grapes and children's teeth are set on edge. But I tell you, so basically that saying meant like the apple don't fall far from the tree, you know, that you know, basically it's the parents' fault that the kid's so screwed up. And then he says, but I tell you that each person will die for their own sins. And then he goes on to say that basically he is going to have a personal relationship with everybody from the least to the greatest. Don't you love that? I mean, I love that when he says from the least to the greatest. Sometimes you feel like the least, the worst person foul on the face of the earth, right? Or that your life really doesn't mean anything. You're the least. You don't even get, you know, picked for kickball. You're the least. But God says the least is so important to him. On equal footing with the greatest. From the least to the greatest, they will all know me. So when God brought that verse to me, what he was showing me and speaking to my heart was, Bill, I had and have a personal relationship with Liam. I loved him when he was an infant in the early intervention nursery. I loved him when there was nobody there for him. I loved you. I gave Liam to you. I put together the adoption knowing what would happen. I did all this. Liam was in direct relationship with me. I am ultimately responsible for Liam, not you. And I believed that with all my heart. That was God sorting things through and speaking to me. And I talked to John Glenn. I processed it with my grief counselor. And he said, yeah, that sounds right. He says, God doesn't have grandchildren. That's how he summed it up. I can give you a couple other examples how God continued to speak to me and brought me out of my despair. My faith in Jesus Christ and his promises of eternal life gave me the hope to persevere to, through that pain to where God could heal that pain. That hope, that beautiful, blessed hope of eternal life with Liam. But it was not only the fact that, yes, 
Liam has eternal life. I have eternal life. I'll see him again. That's not the only thing. What was even more important, I believe, was the daily relationship. And what does God say? God says that he is in relationship with us. In, in the first, if you read through the book of Romans, and, the, and this was the foundation that was laid for me that I came back to, even though I doubted all of it, eventually God built my faith back up. And in the first five chapters of Romans, God shows us that his love for us has to be unconditional, that nobody can earn his love, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, that nobody can earn it, but that he loves us unconditionally. And he proves that. And then in Romans chapter 6, the question is, all right, if God's going to love us no matter what, how should we live? And he tells us that we're dead to sin, we're alive to God in Christ Jesus. And it says in chapter 10 that the death Jesus died, he died to sin once for all. And the life he lives, he now lives to God. Likewise, we are to count ourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Meaning, sin shouldn't be our focus. Sin should not be in our center. We should not be sin conscious and worrying about sin. God has taken care of sin. Dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus means the sin problem God took care of, our focus should be on God and this robust relationship we have with him and not get all caught up of how, you know, that God's keeping record of our sins. It says in the Psalms that he does not. So it was this relationship that I had with God that I was dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus and could pour my heart and hear from him and that I was his child and that I was an heir of God and a co-heir with Christ, knowing that my identity was that God loves me and that my presence on this earth is just as important to God as Jesus Christ's presence when he was a man on this earth saved me. If that's true, then God is not angry at me about what happened. God is not allowing these things to hurt me. God is with me. And if God is for me, who can be against me? So processing my grief, processing my pain in the light of that blessed hope pulled me out of despair. And what I want to say is that of course, I'm not the same, but I have heard people say, and I, I, it might be their experience, but I can only tell you mine, is that I've heard people say, you never get better, you know, it'll never be okay, you'll never be okay. I'm more than okay. Because of who I am in Jesus Christ, because of God and my relationship with him and who my father is, I'm okay. Liam's okay. <laughs> Liam is okay. I mean, I did not go into all the theology of new bodies, a new heaven and a new earth. I, I've mentioned things throughout the podcast. If you want to listen, there's all sorts of information out there. The book Imagine Heaven by John Burke. But Liam, right at this moment, is okay. That God has the last say that even though Liam took his life in a violent, horrible manner, and that will never be okay. That tragedy, that sadness will never be okay. 
But Jesus Christ has triumphed over even the darkest things in this world. He has triumphed over all sin and death and has brought resurrection. And Liam's okay. And if Liam's okay, then I'm okay. Talking about that still small voice, one of the things that I get a little choked up that I regret is I was in so much pain and losing Liam, and my wife Carrie Ann was a rock. What? Carrie Ann, like, she drove me. She says, You can't drive. She just attended to me. But Carrie had her own grief. And one of the things that I mistakenly thought was, Well, Carrie was Liam's stepmom. You know, he wasn't in her life. You know, Carrie didn't know Liam until he was 10. Then he left, and then he was in the Marines, and her pain, like I didn't think her, you know, I, didn't, I, I was oblivious to her pain. Carrie was in pain, too. I did ask her to go, you know, talk to people, whatever. Like, I knew, like, she was grieving, but I wasn't aware of, like, what a rock she was for me because I was in so much pain. But one of the neat things that I saw is that once... Carrie and Grace saw that I was okay, then they were able to grieve. And Carrie, her grief was delayed, but she was able to grieve. And Carrie had avoided going to Liam's gravestone. He's buried in the um, military into National Cemetery in um, South Florida. And I went and just made her sad. She didn't want to go and um, first year, but to make a long story short, we all went to share, Grace, Carrie, and I. And what I was talking about before, that still small voice, God spoke to Carrie. And God said, I have him. I have Liam. <laughs> he's, he's with me. He's okay. I got him. And that was a healing. That was still part of our healing, that healing journey that we're on. So, yeah, I'm not the same. And there's times, and you just heard it, that I'll cry. There's times where I get a, a grief burst and I miss Liam. And there's time when the guilt and shame try to get me, try to grab me. But I press on because the Holy Spirit lives in me and gives me the strength, the hope, and the peace to press on. So to sum up today, what worked for me was God. God speaking to me, that still small voice, the gospel of Jesus Christ, faith in my identity that I am a child of God, that Liam is a child of God. Those things worked for me. Although my faith was shaken to the core, God will never leave us and never forsake us. God never left me. He never forsook me. He was there every second, every minute of every day. We believe that we experience everything he's given us. We, we, we receive it. If our hearts are open to receiving, there is so much healing in God and in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And yes, I believe we can be okay again. And in the beginning of this journey for me, I did not believe one bit that I would ever be okay. And here I am, three, three years and two months later, saying, yes, I'm okay God has me. God has Liam. There's this beautiful, beautiful, glorious future that is ahead. I still have a journey. I still have work 
to do. I'm here. Liam completed his earthly journey, and I am not sure what God has for him in eternity, but it's beautiful, beautiful. And we will do a speculative show, Imagining Heaven, what the new heaven and the new earth is, and our new bodies, because it's not a floating place. It's a physical place where we're all going to live in physical bodies, physical places, doing physical things, eating, drinking, singing, rejoicing. Will there be sports in heaven? Who knows? Maybe on the new heaven and the new earth. Maybe some new games will be invented. Who knows? See, that brings me a lot of joy and speculation about, hmm, what will Liam and I do? Oh, that was one more thing that God spoke to me. One day in the gym, I heard, you have no idea what I have in store for you too. Because <laughs> Liam and I were all about being buddies and doing things together. So I want to thank you for listening. Um, you can get in touch with me through the show notes. If you would, would like to come on the show and you have a testimony and a story, please reach out to me through the email. And remember that God's grace is sufficient. His power is made perfect in weakness and nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. 